Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Oh, intense, creepy, that's the order of the day. Some exciting music to start this week's show. One of Joe Dante's most underrated movies, The Hole from 2009. Um, you guys seen that one? No, I really, really want to. I, it's in my Amazon basket. And it's been there for a while, but yeah, I've wanted to see it for so long. Get onto it. It's a very interesting one. Mm. I've only seen, I've seen the British one with uh, Thora Birch and Kira Knightley before she was Knightley. <laughs> Completely different kind of movie. <laughs> They're both about holes, Glenn. <laughs> a fitting way to usher in today's show, I guess. Um, the theme today is kids horror movies, or rather horror movies that are suitable for kids. <laughs> which uh, is an area of cinema, Ben, that I think we hold near and dear to our hearts. Would you agree? Yes, indeed. Yes. Oh, you too, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Shush, I haven't introduced you yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ghost. Did that sound ghostly? Yeah, it did. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Good Movie Monday, everybody, the weekly podcast presented by Fakeshemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, the guy who owns more kids' movies than most kids do, and my reliable co-host is Ben Helwig, who just rearranged his entire collection, which is basically his whole house. How are you, Ben? Good, good. And I just wanted to say that intense and creepy are the reasons they gave uh, for kicking me off Tinder. <laughs> You were too kid friendly. Yeah. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that I'm a child molester. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't say that. It's on it's recording. <laughs> Save us from this, Samantha House, and how are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> you um, are you are yeah. of course from Happy and Tragic, which kind of goes right yes. in with Ben's whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say this should be a fun show, but I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, talking about <laughs> scary, spooky, creepy, kooky movies for kids. And um, it's almost October, which means that we're nearing Halloween month. And the Halloween movies are starting to drop, so we're going to get started on those this week. And um, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a few more uh, Halloween themes. Have you heard anything about a sequel to Hubie Halloween for this year? Oh. I hope. I wish. I'm, I'm just ho I'm hoping that it's going to be a, like a surprise Netflix drop. Oh, wouldn't that oh, be amazing? I hope so. That'd but be cool. It'd be so amazing. How could they follow that though? What would they? How would they? Uh, Hubie could go to prison. He could just they just look at any of the <laughs> like Ernest. That's so funny. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> well, maybe somebody could kidnap um, Hubie, and it's all about oh, yeah. you know finding him. Mm. Yeah, the oh. search for Hubie. Yeah, that'd be great. We should stop recording and just get pen to paper right now and uh, yeah. <laughs> punch this baby out. 
Uh, our special guest today is Ruby Rose, who I guess needs no introduction, but she is the Aussie actress who rose up from host of Channel V to being a Hollywood star of John Wick 2, Resident Evil 6, and The Meg, amongst many other things, and she's also was also the starring leading Catwoman. Uh, she has a new animated film called Cranston Academy, which is kind of like a Goosebumps type of horror adventure, and a bit later on we're going to chat to her about that. And that is exactly what inspired today's show. So let us um, lead into Halloween month with some kid-friendly horror recommendations. Of course, the gang are here as well. Coming up, we've got Jarrett Garn, Guillermo Troncoso, Adam Ross, and the guys from Bonehead Weekly, plus a tasty treat from Chloe Ritchie. Um, and over the course of the next few weeks, as I said, we're going to do some more Halloween stuff. So it's going to be fun. All right, let's get into the spirit of Halloween, you two. First, I want to ask both of you about some perhaps scary or traumatizing experiences that you may have had as kids. Sam, do you recall anything as a kid that scared the shit out of you? Uh, yes. I, well, I was, uh, I don't have a lot. I'm a very sheltered child, but I remember I went for a sleepover and we watched The Sixth Sense mm -hmm. and I was, I was quite young at the time. Um, and it actually started my whole love for horror movies, like after watching it, but I was scared like shitless for probably 10 years after I saw that film. And, uh, but it, it actually got me into watching like ghost hunters and, um, all of those crazy, like supernatural horror stuff, but it's, I don't really have anything that like traumatized me that that actually happened in real life. It was just watching that one movie and just being like I couldn't sleep. I had nightmares all the time. It was crazy. Isn't it interesting how um, like I guess a love for horror is often spawned from, you know, sleepovers and you know, yeah. being scared <laughs> of the, the, the movies yeah. that, you, that you end up loving. What about you, Ben? Like were you as freaked out by the burglar as I was? No. Oh. No. <laughs> No, I was always a friend of all the, the McDonald's uh, <laughs> characters. They all represented food, so I loved them. <laughs> but he didn't. He stole Yeah, he food. didn't. He, he stole was anti-food. Yeah, he was yeah. anti-food. He, he was an asshole. Steal, he didn't steal mine, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that person that always takes one of your chips yeah. without asking. No. <laughs> Don't like those people. <laughs> I was always, I was, I, you know, I guess that it, it says a lot to me now, but I was always, I didn't like, uh, was it, uh, the Big Mac, the cop. Oh, <laughs> yeah, what yeah. was his name? Yeah. Like I can only remember, I can hamburger and Mayor McCheese and Grimace, but I can't remember what the Big Mac <laughs> name was. I, I can't to, remember like, Mayor McCheese. I like yeah. Mayor McCheese because I always like cheeseburgers. Uh. So I was like, ah, he, <laughs> I identify with Mayor McCheese. He tells people what to do, and he's got cheese in him. <laughs> and he doesn't have he doesn't have he doesn't have any lettuce, none of that gross lettuce. I think uh, <laughs> recently Chloe referred to um, lettuce as green water. Yeah, green water. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they charge you, the fact that they put it in burgers is like a like like they're spitting in your face. <laughs> so they just, it's it's burger padding. It's the it's meant to be crunchy, like it's meant to be a different texture to break up the rest of it. That's why it's there, but it's not crunchy. You know, in McDonald's. like um, treasure hunt movies, when they open the crate and it's got all that shredded paper and shit in it, that's what lettuce is to a burger, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't even understand tomato on a burger. Like, apart from the the skin on the outside, the middle part is pr practically non-existent. 
and it tastes like tomato. Like I don't, uh, I don't know why those things are in uh, burgers either. Like, well, these these are things I meat, do love. But um... cheese, meat, cheese, meat, cheese. That's what that's what every burger should be. Maybe what? bacon. You could add bacon into it, or like any other. Like a if you can get a chicken patty in there as well. Like all the meats. Put all the meats in there except for ham. Ham in a burger was a bit weird. Or spam. That's that's not a. Now that I'm just trying to I'm listing all my favorite meats now. <laughs> well, okay. How about um, instead of like, you know, other than things that were healthy, what traumatized you as a kid? Uh, the visits to the dentist. No. <laughs> the dental van when it rolled up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the dental van. It had You're puppets. A freak. No, nah, it yeah. had puppets. It, it, it was entertainment puppets. and it wasn't puppets school. And puppets and fillings. <laughs> Like the puppets weren't good enough to kind of to get you over the fillings, and it's like now you realise that they've got those fillings that look like like their teeth colour, but of course it's the dental van, so it's just the metal filling, so you look like Jaws from uh, from Moonraker. Thanks, thanks, a dental van. Now I can't chew tinfoil. Oh god, the tinfoil thing again. I still haven't tried it. Got to do it. It's an experience. You have to do it at least once in your life, like licking a battery. Uh, for me, for me, it was uh, poltergeist. Poltergeist was the that scene. Like I don't even get up to all of the the actual scary stuff. The scene where the tree breaks in through the kid's window mm-hmm. and grabs him and he and tries to eat him. That terrified me. Absolutely terrified me. And I was I had a tree outside my bedroom window and I refused to sleep in that room for what feels yeah. like weeks i think it's it's always something that like could happen to you as a kid right like you had the tree outside your window so you like related to that yeah so much yeah much like, more yeah. so than um like non-realistic like like you know like things like arachnophobia and stuff even though arachnophobia is only partially a, like a it's not really a serious horror film mm. but it's spiders like that's freaky like yeah. you know, giant bugs all that sort of like ticks <laughs> any of those movies where the bugs can grow inside you the fly the fly mm. you know much well, more so than the ones that you kind of if you're if you're young that you can't really comprehend i uh, can't believe you said poltergeist because of the two scary things you know i had in mind to talk about poltergeist three was one of them which i wasn't going to talk about because you brought it up there's a scene that i walked in on as a kid to my stepmother watching of a guy trapped or caught in like barbed wire or razor wire and it's sort of the razor wire is um, multiplying and growing and it's sort of wrapping him up. And I didn't know what it was, but it scared the shit out of me. And it wasn't until about 20 years later when I got around to watching Poltergeist 3 that I realized that's the film. And it kind of brought back like traumatic mm-hmm. <laughs> memories and shit. Sounds <laughs> like Saw. Yeah. Like there was a movie, one of the Saw movies had that razor or the barbed wire or something. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the harder you struggle, the it's deeper crazy. it digs. But no, the, the, um, Warhorse had that too, but the one the experience that I was gonna bring up was IKEA. Man, IKEA. I got taken to IKEA as a kid, and it was late at night before they closed, and I was wearing like a big dressing gown, and it was all done up with the tie at the front. And my parents dropped me off at the ball pit. They had a giant ball pit, which is where all the parents just left their kids. It's not like they had a big playground. It was just a pit full of balls. That's where I dumped my syringes. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <no. laughs> 
<laughs> and I I almost drowned in there. I sunk and it was too deep for me to get out and there was no supervision. So I was just like, you know, completely submerged in a ball pit for half an hour. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been terrifying. Was, yeah, because my parents, they, they only wanted something, you know, quick. It was a quick in and out, but it felt like... I was having Ikea. Yeah, it felt like an eternity to me. And I remember them, like, just in my mind, it's a movie moment where the hand reaches down and just rips you out and pulls you out of the ball pit. <laughs> but, the, you know, the light at the end of that story is that I got home and found three balls in my dressing gown pocket. So, you know. <laughs> you stole from Ikea. Yeah, they ended up in my toy box. Yeah, Ikea takes theft very seriously. <laughs> Coincidentally, there's a giant ball pit in one of my movie recommendations today, so it's like having a numb flashback when I watch that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, anyway, we're off and running, so recommendations coming up. Um, first, here's Jarrett with a word on what's been released this week, uh, what's worth forking out money for. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now, there's only one movie coming out on home entertainment this week, but thankfully... It's a good one. It's the action comedy Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Now you might be thinking, didn't this one just come out in cinemas? Yes, yes it did. It came out on August 12th in Australian cinemas and around the same time globally in cinemas. Yet for some reason, Disney are rushing it to home entertainment. It's a strange move given that this film is continually making money. It's one of few films that is making money at the box office around the world at the moment. It's just surpassed $300 million US at the global box office. So yeah, the fact it's coming out on home entertainment so soon is crazy. And of course, like we know that these theatrical windows between, you know, films going theatrical and going to digital, we know that they've been shattered over the last 18 months, but for a film to go from theatrical to physical media, a film of this caliber, that is unheard of. It's unprecedented. Anyway, it's coming out on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. I've already got my 4K pre-order because of course, I live in Melbourne, so I haven't been able to see this one theatrically, so I'm really excited to check it out. Now, the 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray do have special features. There's deleted and extended scenes, a gag reel, and four featurettes. Now, if you're a 4K enthusiast like myself, you'll be pleased to hear that the 4K has Dolby Atmos. So yeah, very exciting. Free Guy out this week, and it's the only release this week. But I'm not going to just leave you there. I'm going to give you a little news, and that is that Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, and Mad Max 3... Beyond Thunderdome are coming out on 4K Ultra HD locally from the Warner Catalog Care of Roadshow on November 17th. That is awesome news because I already have Mad Max and Mad Max Fury Road on 4K, so this will perfectly complete the collection. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next time, stay physical. I still haven't seen Free Guy yet, but I don't suppose either of you have either because we're just being completely locked down. No. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. I've seen the clips in Fortnite. Like you, at certain points in the game, you can walk up to a, like a vending machine, and uh, Van City Reynolds will come on and tell you. <laughs> really? And then he, he may sting at you. That's yeah, so that's funny. The, that's how much a free guy I've seen. <laughs> well, it kind of looks like Pixels too, and I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Pixels too. Oh, Pixels. Oh, you liked that one too. <laughs> Uh, hang on, what? This is like a flashback to Chloe all over again. Of course we like Pixels too. Pixels? Do you like, do you like all Adam Sandler films? I was having this conversation with Jarrett um, recently and we're talking about Adam Sandler films and he was saying that he hopes there's a new Adam Sandler comedy coming around because it would be nice to have mm. another one. And I said to him, like, the more I reflect on all of Adam Sandler's comedies, the more I like them all. 
Like I don't mm. I don't think I dislike any of them. I grew up with with quite a few of his like classics um and absolutely loved him. But then there was a turning point where I think but I don't know if it was me that was changing or or his comedy or the way that he produced them. I don't know, but I just I went off of I don't it. think his com I don't think his comedy changed though. I don't. I, I mm. think a lot of people grew out of them. Yeah, it's not that his comedy changed. It's that he just became more like there's a certain string of films that are more family mm. films. Like I mean, yeah. Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison are not family comedies. Whereas <laughs> you know things like um, that. What was that? What's the one with Jennifer Aniston where it's the, the the you know the family goes on. He pretends to be there, her husband. Oh, whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, but you also got bedtime stories and stuff like that. And you know, yeah, and bedtime stories and yeah. um. You know the in well, not, what's the what's the, uh, the there's two of them with the that where they're um, grown ups. It, grown ups. That's the one. Oh, grown ups. Yeah, they made like four of those or something. Didn't no, they? Just, they made just the quite two. A few. Oh, okay. That <laughs> <laughs> felt like there was more. <laughs> I wish. Um, so there's a there is a difference. He did kind of he diverted for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I loved Uncut Gems. That was amazing. Yeah, but and that's, I love that. That's that's not really what we're talking about, though. No, but I do like I did like that one. Um the I'm talking about his recent stuff, the the murder mystery one. Yeah. That was quite good. Oh, I like yeah. that one. Yeah. But I think when when Jared and I were having that conversation, it was more the Happy Madison stuff. Yeah, the the mm. comedy. Yeah. The, the in-house production stuff. But um anyway, thank mm. you to Jarrett. Um, of course, he's one of the guys from Monster Pictures and Monster Fest. Uh, you can find him on their social media platforms. And speaking of guys from Monster Pictures and Monster Fest, Ben, that's you, mate. I believe Monster Fest had its dates changed this year from uh, October to December. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Because of the lovely, lovely lockdowns, the festival has been pushed. Like it, like it was last year, it was pushed. Uh, but you know, we're committed to having an in cinema experience at Monster Fest. None of this online guff. I hope I don't have words. <laughs> well, I mean, for anybody that's um, you know, a fan of Monster Fest and hasn't, you know, read that news, it's been moved to December second through to twelfth, I think. Which is um, that's correct. Yeah, excellent. Well, two days, two weekends, and a week. That's a that's a haul, mate. You must have a booty of uh of content for us. We have too many films. Amazing. Too much stuff to cram in. That's not a bad thing. No. <laughs> Alrighty, well, speaking of um, speaking of too many movies, let's uh, get into it before we run out of time. So to kick us <laughs> off with the first kid-friendly horror movie recommendation, Samantha, what cheeky family flick have you got lined up for us first? Well, um, I'm glad I'm going first, actually, because I chose The Haunted Mansion as one of my picks. Fantastic. And it's it's a classic, I feel. Um just You're saying classic. it's a classic makes me feel really old. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. That's recent. That's a recent history film. Like that's. I, yeah. I think it's for me. It holds such a a dear place in my heart because it was actually the first movie that um, I I knew what a production designer was and and it started my journey into to going into that role. Um, so I. I love this film. I think it, I mean, like, it's a classic that I think everyone, also it's got Eddie Murphy in it, who I love. I love Eddie Murphy films. And I, I think that most people who have seen it, it's, it's just one of those films that you always watch 
every year during Halloween because it's it's light, but it has all the elements. It's got yeah. the ghosts and it's graveyard. It's got ghouls. This was this was our Eddie Murphy going through that family friendly phase. Yeah, um, yeah. And didn't it have Terrence Stamp in it too? Um, I had a quick look at the names. It had, yeah, uh, Terrence Stamp as Ramsley, uh, Nathaniel Parker as Master Gracie, Marsha Thomason as Sarah, um, Wallace Shawn, <laughs> and he was great in it. I actually, I had quite, you know, a lot of um, great characters, but it's, it is a family film, so it is shorter. And you kind of wish that you got to see the, some of the characters a lot more than you did. But yeah. um, Jennifer Tilly was also in it. And, yeah, so it was really great um, to be able to to talk about this film with you guys because I love it a lot. Wallace Shawn in a comedy. How unusual. <laughs> That's inconceivable. <laughs> inconceivable. <laughs> that voice. Uh. Um, well, let's lay down a bit of context too because this one came right off the back, I believe, of Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's another one of Disney's films based on one of their attractions, um, which you know they're yes. starting to do more yeah. of now. Which... which you can watch if you've never been like me. You can actually watch the full ride on YouTube. So you can you can experience well, there's it. an experience for you. <laughs> you can experience it without actually having to go. But I I grew no up with lines. my mum. Yeah, You're exactly. I grew up with my mum talking about it all the time, and she used to ex- like um, look back on it fondly when she went. And so when I I finally saw it on YouTube that it was like available to actually watch it, it's it. it it was so interesting to kind of like take what my imagination made up of what she said and actually see it for what it is. But it's actually interesting because this year um, the Muppets Haunted House movie drops on Disney Plus. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Looks so quite that's fun. exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the cool. Haunted Mansion. I'm glad you you brought this one up because I do enjoy it. I don't think it's a particularly great film, but I do think it's a fun film. I like a lot of these Disney films. And um, interesting too, uh, just you know, back up what you just said before about the, the virtual ride and all that. If, uh, if you've never been to Paris or New York, uh, Google Earth. It's a good way to, to navigate the streets. <laughs> you never, never have to go there. <laughs> you can see everything from your, the, your couch, basically. Absolutely. Um, ben, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. Well, keeping it with modern... <laughs> The theme of modern uh, cinema. <laughs> May I add that I remember purchasing that movie for my video store. That's how old it is. Old it is, yeah. <laughs> 2003. Yes. I was yeah. managing a store then. <laughs> I'd, I'd graduated. I'd like, Well, actually, I hadn't graduated, but I'd, I'd left uni by that stage. Like uh, the... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me for a second. I'm just going to break down into tears. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, now I'm going to talk about um, Spiderwick Chronicles from yes. 2008, which is uh, directed by Mark Waters, and one of the one of the uh, co-writers is John Sayles. So you know it's good if John Sayles is uh, filled with the script a bit. You know it's going to be good. Yep, I agree. He's an expert fiddler, uh, and. Like I was, I didn't, I don't know what I was expecting. I hadn't read the books 
This is based on a series of kid books and I haven't hadn't read them or anything like that. They weren't um, childhood favorites of mine or anything. Uh, but I was surprised at how kind of full on this movie was. Like it was, for me, it was kind of a bit more of a kind of a throwback to those eighties and seventies children's horror movies where there were kind of real life, life or death consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. And it's all about this, you know, these, um, this family sans the husband uh, who moved to this, you know, they they inherit, basically inherit this uh, house in the middle of nowhere in this country town, and they they move in, and then they find um, they find a book called the Field Guide to what was it, the Field Guide to Fairies or something like that, to mm. um, to anyway to to mystical creatures, written by David Strathairn, who was the kind of previous owner of the house, and uh, and through that they kind of one of the one of the kids kind of and then he introduces the rest of the the kid the rest of the family to it but he gets he can see all the um the uh, mystical creatures who are usually invisible but he can he gets the ability to to see them and then he there um uh, who's it nick nolte plays the kind of villain and he's the a mulgrath the ogre who's trying to steal the book because with that book it's got all the information he needs to um, kill all the other fairies and become the most powerful kind of supernatural creature uh, in in the world kind of thing it's kind of it's super full on it's got some great um it's a great talent freddie highmore plays the kind of the twin boys uh, in it that's before he got kind of old and annoying he's he was great as a as a child actor i do not like him as an adult i don't so, either he annoys the shit out of me in that good doctor show yeah oh, I, I like the good doctor uh, the beginning of it. I mean, it's kind of probably a bit too long, but I just, I just, I, don't know, it. I don't know what it is about these child actors that when they grow up, they seem to put on five kilos just in their face. Because <laughs> they grow up. No, they grow up like, but the rest of them is normal, but their faces just end up, they end up with like the fat faces. Like, why is your face fat? Like, none of the rest of you is fat. Maybe it's an acting thing. Yeah. Side effect of, of acting. I don't Act know. Act fat. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, Sarah Bolger's in it. Mary Louise Parker plays the mum. She's great. Uh, Andrew McCarthy is the is the kind of deadbeat dad in it. Then Joan Plower. I mentioned David Strathairn, and it's got the uh, voice the voice acting, of course, of Nick Nolte, but also Seth Rogen pops up. Martin Short and Ron Perlman uh, turns up. What a cast! I do remember thinking that it was a very very scary film. And I'm surprised it never got the sequel that they had geared it up to have. Well, no, see, that's, that's the thing. Like I I thought the same thing. I was like, and you know, I read, I I did when I was doing my research, it was a box office success. Like it wasn't number one, but it was number two behind jumper. I think that's an odd film to lose. the number one. (laughs) Uh, Everyone remembers jumper, but no, the, the books were basically, there were five books in the series. And rather than base the movie on just one of the books, they just based it on they. It was an it's a crammed um, it all in kind of thing of all five. So mm-hmm. there is no sequel material. Like they could have just written a, a, an original uh, sequel, but uh, yeah, they they you know when asked about it, the uh, the the two the two uh, writers of the book who also produced the film were like, well, there is no sequel. Like that's mm. it. That's mm. the story, which is a shame. But um, yeah. it definitely, it definitely um, could have could have supported. <laughs> they would have checked their bank accounts two years later and gone, "Yeah, we probably should have opened that up a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> done that sequel, yeah. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, I hope people are taking notes because we're off to a flying start here. Uh, for now, let's quickly throw over to Guillermo for some movie news and then we'll keep on going with more recommendations. How's it going everybody? It's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Happy to be back on Good Movie Monday. As always, I'm here to talk a little bit about what we've covered in the website in the past week. Kicking off with a Super Mario movie. No, not another live action film in the vein of that 1993 masterpiece. This is a big CG animated film coming together from Illumination and Nintendo. They've teamed up. They've got a really, really big cast for Super Mario Brothers, an animated film that's set to hit cinemas on December 24th. First, 2022 voice cast is as follows Chris Pratt as Mario, Charlie Day as Luigi, Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, Jack Black as Bowser, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek and Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. The film is going to be directed by Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelenic, known for Teen Titans Go and Teen Titans Go to the movies. The script is coming from Matthew Fogel, whose credits include The Lego Movie 2 and Minions The Rise of Gru. Planned Viola Davis-led historical epic The Woman King has added John Boyega to the cast. John Boyega known for Star Wars, Detroit, Pacific Rim Uprising. The TriStar Pictures film will be set in the African Kingdom of Dahomey, which is one of the continent's most powerful states during the 18th and 19th centuries. Viola Davis will be starring as Naniska, the general of an all-female military unit that fought those who violated their honor and enslaved their people and threatened to destroy everything they've lived for. Boyega will be playing King Gezo, who ruled Dahomey from 1818 to 1858. The cast also includes Lashana Lynch, No Time to Die, and Thuso Mbedu, The Underground Railroad, the latter of whom will be playing Nawi, an ambitious recruit. The film is to be directed by Gina Prince by the Wood, who directed 2020 Charlie Theron action of The All Guard for Netflix. Now this is supposed to be quite the epic, so stay tuned for more as this one comes along. And there's a remake of The Lost Boys on the way, the 1987 vampire film from the late Joel Schumacher. Young actors from A Quiet Place, Noah Jupe, and It, Jaden Martell, will be leading the reimagining. Warner Brothers has given the green light to the film, which is to be directed by the end of the effing world, and I am not okay with this creator slash director, Jonathan Entwistle. Writing the script is up-and-coming scribe Randy McKinnon, known for Netflix series Chambers and the upcoming DC project Static Shock. There aren't many plot details to go on apart from the fact that it's going to be set in the modern day. Also no word as to who Jupe and Martell will be playing, considering the large ensemble the original film had. Expect a number of casting announcements to come for this one. Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Alex Winter, Corey Feldman and Corey Haim among others starred in the original film, which has become quite a classic vampire film over the years. So fingers crossed this reimagining goes well. That about does it for me guys. Be sure to go to ScreenRealm.com for your latest movie and TV news as well as trailers, reviews, all that jazz. Thanks so much for having me. Until next week, I'm out of here.
one do we run? Only you clean over. I pick up the mic and rock it while I'm sober for the rated G exposure. If you listen to what I'm trying to told you, we fathers with seeds of our own. Time my sons and daughters, boy, not fruits and clones. Not in the very wrong room. An embryo with no soul. Stuck in a dream, any man with my lungs in a chokehold. Jacket past the boom back. See, that say don't do that. Freaky fresh, smash the gas and slam us in the traffic. Now Scrappy on a box and throw them bowls. So I had to sit the pit bull on before he could pass one blow. Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. Land of a Thousand Drums by Outcast from the Scooby-Doo soundtrack from 2002. I really like those movies, those live-action Scooby-Doo's, particularly part two. I think that's a banger. Are you yeah. guys are you guys fans? I do. I like those movies as well. They're fun. Well, I was a big fan of uh, Linda Cardellini as Velma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't mind the uh, the live-action prequels either, the the two that they made. Uh, Brian Levent directed those, the guy behind Flintstones and Jingle All the Way, even Beethoven. They're worth a look. I think there's, a, ah. there's a new one. There's a Daphne and Velma adventure movie as well. There That's is. Nice. And Scoob, which is a not live action, oh, but Scoob. it's Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. that I can't do 
I'm, I'm much better doing Casey Kasem than, <laughs> than Casey Kasem doing Shaggy. I was going to say, that was pretty average. <laughs> it was, uh, I've had one too many Scooby Snacks, I'm afraid, and just don't quite have it anymore. Well, let us turn our attention to Ruby Rose just for a moment. Her new movie is Cranston Academy, and it's totally fun. This one did catch me off guard, and I recently had a chance to chat with her about the film. And she was a total sweetheart because there's a there's a perception out there that she's hard work and a bit of a diva, but that was not my experience whatsoever. I think she was, yeah, she was lovely. So judge for yourself. Here is my chat with her. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll catch you on the other side. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, doing really good. Thanks for you know making time for me. So first question I want to ask you is like an obscure animated kids film is presented to you from Mexico. What makes you say yes to that? Um, I love animation and I also, I love, I have a lot of young cousins and people in my family that are a little bit younger and maybe not ready to watch John Wick and all the kind of scarier films that I've done. So any opportunity to do something like a Pitch Perfect or a film I've got coming out one up and I've done two animations now. I just, I find them really fun. Uh, you get to explore different parts of what you're doing and, and the story itself is so beautiful and obviously I can relate to that and love the idea of kids watching this but it's it's about bullying and uh, you know finding a place and being an outcast and you know eventually uh, I play a character called Liz and it's uh, Danny is Jamie Bell and we start as rivals and we end up you know obviously working together as a team and it's just a beautiful story about how you know you can be different and unique but that's what makes you special and I love really simple stories like that for, for young people to watch and understand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the anima uh, company is sort of establishing themselves as a bit of a Mexican Ghibli or DreamWorks of sorts. Were you familiar with much of their work, you know, before you uh, took the role? I wasn't, but when I found out about the role, I did all, you know, I got into the background of it all and thought this is really incredible. And yeah, it was a really fantastic opportunity and, and I'm so glad that I got to do it. And did they give you the opportunity to see the Mexican version of the film, like before, you know, you took on the role? You know what? I don't know if it was offered whether it was able to be offered for me to see it or not. But I just remember I was shooting this during my one day off every 10 days when I was doing Batwoman. So I was doing Batwoman and then I was doing this as well when I could. So it was all a little bit back and forth. It's, it must be great for them to get someone like you, you know, on board because, you know, with these English translations, it does open it up to the rest of the world for them. Um, wondering about, you know, your character of Liz, was the idea of her to, to have an Aussie accent your idea or were they just right from the start? telling you to go for they it. wanted her no they wanted her to be either british or australian um but when we were doing uh in in a lot of animations you'll get the privilege and it's a luxury when you get to be animating as they're kind of creating it so you're not just matching the moving lips all the time and then most of the time for a lot of the other ones that's just how it has to be is it it's mostly been done and then you're you're kind of matching the, their cadence and lip movements so when when i tried it in australian it worked a lot better and then in British it sounded all the intonations because you have to match the mouth and I was having to really elongate British words <laughs> that shouldn't be elongated so it sounded like I didn't know how to speak English properly um, yeah, right. and so in Australian I could add sort of weird Australian noises when, when there's like the mouth is open and she's not saying much I could just kind of throw something yeah. in there so it was yeah awesome um, I imagine there might be some quirky differences between the Mexican version and and your your take on it have you had a chance to see the other version I haven't, but I really want to because when I, you know, after I did it and I had more time to go back and look into everything. So I loved working with these guys so much and I'm working with them uh, in the future as well. And I got back and looked at a little bit of it and I, I didn't realize how rich and deep that, that history is and how, you know, how award-winning and amazing. And I'm just stoked that they got to sort of bring it into to America as well and Australia and everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've done a sort of a foreign 
animation before you did. I think Sheep and Wolves was a Russian animation. I'm wondering, is there much lost in translation with these productions? How easy is it to sort of dive into them? I think with this one, I'm trying to think of the other one, Bianca, when I was the wolf, there wasn't any uh, dialogue issues or anything that felt sort of unnecessarily clunky. And you get away with a little bit more in animation because you can put all this light and effort into your voice and everything sounds great, even if it doesn't make the full amount of sense, you know. Uh, yeah. So you get to play with that. But I think in uh, what I like about uh, Monster Academy is like, I feel like it was a mixture between some jokes that other people will get, you know, and if you have watched the other ones and know a bit more about it, then there's some yeah. adult jokes that's the reviewer joke. Yeah. Uh, that goes above, you know, obviously the younger people's heads. And then there's yeah. the moral of the story. I, I think it's really beautiful. For sure. And um, look, you know, before I let you go, I know you've got a busy morning. I just want to ask a couple of more questions. Uh, I'm wondering, as a kid, what was your favourite animated film? Oh, my goodness. Um, animated film. Because I feel like I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles, but I wasn't a big fan. I liked the, the comics, the cartoons, the animation, like way back when, before they got too yeah. weird and realistic and started looking kind of freaky. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved Archie comics. That was my big thing. And Tank Girl is like my number one. I have the tattoo on the back. And oh, and um, I have uh, Astro Boy and anime as well, like the turtles and then uh, polyester cats. So yeah, I, I love all of that kind of stuff. Uh, missed opportunity. I, I I usually drink from an Astro Boy uh, coffee mug, but today I'm Back to the Future. Oh, so, that's damn. still pretty good. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now this might seem like a a narcissistic kind of thing to ask you, but I'm wondering, do you do you collect all the movies that you star in? Like, do you own them? Do I own them? Um, I yeah. I collect them as in they always send me maybe five or ten of them for family, friends, stuff like that. I'll always keep one of them because you know who knows in twenty years and if I want to show it to my kids and my family and friends and all that kind of stuff you know I'll be like 85 and I'm like I promise you I did this and this and you know I used to kick butt and I'm like no you didn't grandma and I'll be like I'll prove it but I don't yeah, watch the background like that but I, it's no. nice to have them it's like to be very proud of yeah it's like having a photo album or an Instagram account <laughs> but, um, <laughs> all right and finally um before I do let you run just in regards to the way you choose projects and films and whatnot uh is there a, a rhyme or reason to making decisions on yes or no's like what appeals to you most I think there is the standard structure that's kind of foolproof, which is just knowing, you know, the director, the director's work, their experience, also their level of passion in the film. You know, is it something that they're doing in between things that they really love or is it something that is their baby and they're going to really, you know, bring out the best performances and put together a fantastic film. Then, of course, the other cast members and if there's the right casting choices and how the dynamics will fit the script. Um, and then as I get a little older, it's like the location, is it too far away from home or is it closer to Australia, please? You know, can I take my dogs? Um, and then I just want to do different things that I haven't done before. So even if I do do another action film or I do do another comedy, I want it to be entirely different to the previous, you know, character wise. And, and that's what it is now. It's really about saying no to anything that I feel like I've done before and, and trying to really find the things that I haven't. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think this movie is a blast. I think anyone that likes sort of Jumanji or Goosebumps is going to get a real kick out of it. And I'm certainly going to buy it when it comes out on our DVD. So thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you very much. Goosebumps. I miss those books. I know. <laughs> Did they do a film or a TV show? Two films and a TV show. Like recently or like way back when I used to watch no, it? Jack Black was in them in the, the recent oh. ones. They are good. Okay. I'm yeah. going to check it out. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Well, thanks you. for your time. Have a great one. Okay. You too. Bye. Like I said, she was lovely. And that was a, that was a totally mm. fun conversation. Um, yeah. Grant, 
Yeah, Cranston Academy is out now on DVD, and it's a perfect Halloween movie for kids. It's um, it's it's the right amount of scary, and if you can imagine Paranorman crossed with Jumanji, then you might have a good idea of what to expect there. Um, check out the trailer; it'll convince you. And um, the video version of that chat will be on our social media pages tomorrow night. Um, but in the meantime, uh, look out! Here come the Boneheads. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. So we got to talk about another thing Ben said. Because oh, no. he gave us a great marketing idea. Well, and I think we should roll with it. Oh, is it giving people with talent to replace us? No. No. <laughs> he, they can't find those folks. <laughs> Keep going. Well, I'm sure it wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> well, they're not going to pay them. Talent comes with money. Keep going, Chet. Well, with, with the re, rebranding of our new show, Bonehead Weekly Funsies, he That's came not. up with the idea of selling, uh, you know, kind of men's briefs, like really thin briefs. And I think that would be a great idea. You know, we could each have our own version. Yours would, of course, James, Joe would be made of hair. Okay. You know, keep going. That's it. It's all I got. <laughs> Never mind. Let's go to the topics. So we'll uh, run out of our five well, The minutes. topics is kids horror films, right? So everybody yeah. needs to for I, pop their cherry when they're younger and there's something scary for those who of us who enjoy the macabre who brings us into it. What, what was that movie for you all? Somebody go. Mine, uh, mine was a, and you know, it's kind of funny. It's actually when I'm, a, I'm wondering if he thought kids movies as in, you know, like a kid's movie, yeah. but no lady in white. Yeah. I, you know, with the little boy in the cloak closet, it was, it was quite frightening <laughs> when I saw it, it when I was seven or eight years old. Utterly terrifying of him of yeah. being stuck. And, and you know, it, I was in an old school. Uh, my elementary school was built in the 20s. So it was really, and it was actually torn down by, by the time I was in fifth grade. And it had one of those old school coat closets. And I was terrified to go in there because I, I, I just kept revisioning that scene over and over again. And then also the final, the, the, the ending of that movie is also terrifying to me. But yeah, Lady in White from 1988, uh, directed and written by Frank Loggia. I highly recommend it. It is truly terrifying, especially for from a children's child's perspective. I thought that came out in 86. I thought I was younger. Okay, so for mine, the problem is, is most of those movies I was watching, I shouldn't have been watching. You know, Halloween 3, Halloween, movies I shouldn't have been watching at the child, but probably an age-appropriate film that I really want to show my kid. Problem is, is he has a mother and she keeps talking him out of it. I, I think Gremlins is a really good way to introduce a kid to a well-made monster picture. What do you guys think? Because gremlins, when they're right at that age, is like, hey, they're fun, but they also have really sharp teeth, jacked up eyes, and they killed Mr. and Mrs. Futterman, even though they bring them back in part two. They run Fair them enough. down. They attack things. Gremlins. Oh, and Twilight Zone, the movie. That's, that's another one. That last one with John Lithgow, right there for kids and those single-digit numbers scare the piss out of them. You know, I, I, I didn't think about doing the first horror movie that, or the first movie that really scared me, and for me, it wasn't a horror movie. So I guess I'll go ahead and do that. I'll, I'll not talk about what I was going to talk about. But the, the movie that literally scared the living daylights out of me, uh, when we rented it, uh, I was really young, probably four or five when I saw it for the first time, and it scarred me for life so much so that I need to go back and watch it because obviously it wouldn't have that effect now. Still that notice. would be... That would be the terrifying film to about a four or five-year-old called The Last Unicorn. <laughs> Boy, that scared the <laughs> shit out of a whole generation. It's the second time this week I've talked about The Last Unicorn. If, if you've never that, seen that The Last bird Unicorn. With, that bird with those nipples. So mm -hmm. horny. I'll that be honest. Nipple bird. <laughs> I'll be honest. Now, the scene that got to me was basically, 
I mean, there's scenes in my mind, and I literally have not seen it in probably 25 years. But the lake of fire that the bull comes out of yeah. is it's it's straight out of if you were sent to L, if you were sent to Sunday school as a kid, that's now your vision of hell. Mm-hmm. And and the skeleton that talks and all that. So I mean, there's so much. It's got a great cast. It's well made. Uh, William, or I believe the author that wrote the book is based on William Beagle. Maybe anyway, doesn't matter. It literally was the first film I saw. I had saw Ghostbusters, and it did not have that effect on me. Oh, Ghostbusters is another one you I think would be great for kids. That's great for kids. But but Ghostbusters didn't scare me as a kid. It was a lot of fun, even though I was I was easily to scare as a kid. Ghostbusters, I was like, oh okay, they bust them. It's fine. No, there was no escape of of uh, the last unicorn for me, and it's, it did it warped my fragile little mind. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. You'll be able to buy my hair underwear, Chad. Yeah, and Ben, I'm wearing a thong right now. I will ship it to you Mm, for the wonderful idea. And it's going to be right from his taint. It's squishy. Yum. Boneheads by name, boneheads by nature. I can't keep up with them, Ben. Uh, I need need a Joe. They they pre-record whole lots of um, segments, and they don't necessarily get played in the order they think they're going to be played. (laughs) I give, oh, really? them, well, I give them a timeline like these are the episodes you know record some you know but they kind of um they forget the timeline when they record them so references they make quite often are like to jokes that haven't aired yet <laughs> <laughs> ah but we love them go back it's worthwhile <laughs> that's right that's right it's very it's meta but uh joe chad and james are from bonehead weekly a podcast from kentucky in the united states uh, thanks to them every week they provide something fun and fanciful um their show is wherever you can find podcasts from bonehead weekly um i would like to go next and um both of my mm-hmm. recommendations today are recent releases which is kind of novel because usually i go for nostalgic you know stuff and talk about older movies but uh for today's theme, I wanted to explore some newer ones because I think everybody tends to go for the same stuff every Halloween around. Uh, so my first one is Nightbooks, which is um, a movie that just got released onto Netflix last week, if I'm not mistaken, and it's produced by Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert. So if you like their stuff, it's well worth a look. And yeah, it might give you an indication of what you're in for, but it's directed by David Yurovsky, uh, the guy that made Brightburn. So this is his follow-up to that. Oh, Interesting, yeah. gone from like an R-rated mm-hmm action horror kind of movie to this, you know, family-friendly horror movie. And it's a story about a kid who's obsessed with horror stories, um, but he's he's made fun of in his, you know, at school and whatnot for being a bit of a horror freak. And um, anyway, he ends up, preposterous, but he ends up being captured and imprisoned by a witch in her mystical Manhattan apartment. He also lives in the same building and she makes him... Uh, write a new scary story every night and this apartment is magical and once you're inside its bounds are limitless like it's huge you know it's got like portals and things like that and it it travels across the country as well so you can open the door and you're in a new place and this witch kidnaps kids from all over the world um it's just a silly silly story but i can tell you what it's a great nightmarish fairy tale kind of movie with a banging production design and the main kid in this one is played by Winslow Fedgley, who I predict to be like the next, you know, horror star. He's Brady a bit of... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, his, his face isn't fat yet, but um, he's the a new go-to sort of horror kid because he was in Wait. he was in the Child's Play remake, and he was recently in the movie oh, called yeah. Come Play, which I like, and he's fantastic. But 
The Witch is also played by Kristen Ritter from Breaking Bad and Jessica Jones, and she's wonderful. Although the the costume design department they they really went overboard and stereotypical for her and made her look really sort of you know kitschy with the the witch stuff, but her performance is really really fun. I thought in the poster she looked re- she looked so much like Anne Hathaway. I was like, is it- oh, I- like from sure Witches. Yeah, Witches remake. That first. that poster is really underwhelming. Like it's a really disappointing poster because it makes it feel like it's a movie like The Descendants or one of those you no know, Disney Plus movies. But this is actually a really great production. The Sam mm. Raimi factor really sort of you know lends it a bit of credibility. It's got his stamp all over it. Um, so and and there's throwbacks to Sam Raimi in there too. Some witchy kind of things in there are very much the kind of stuff he would have put on camera back in the 80s and 90s. But I had a lot of fun with this one, and I highly recommend it for people looking for a new family-friendly horror film. It will scare the kids a little bit, but in a very fun, safe kind of way. So I, I recommend it. Nightbooks. It's it's very very fun. But that's mine, Sam. What do you got next? I have something very similar, but was made in 85 called return to oz as if we don't know what that is what a classic (laughs) and i chose it it's obviously not meant to be i mean they didn't release it intending for it to be a horror it's it's disney so it was technically a family adventure whatever i think they did um i think they did but it what they did intend it to be scary yeah Really? Like how, could they, how could they not? Absolutely. Well, I mean, like we the, accidentally had a had a hallway full of severed heads. The, <laughs> the intention was to to do two things. One was to actually make it a sequel to the MGM film, but also to yeah. be faithful to the books. And the books are terrifying. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. I just think that there was a lot of um, there was a lot of things in the film that I thought were very. Uh, kids friendly that kind of brought it back down like there were certain elements like the wheelers and the heads um that were scary but you're gonna say the wheelers were the were the part that this is ben and i this is this is our this is our jam right like we were kids when this yeah. got released and it frightened the crap out of all of us yeah yeah well but it's like a lot of movies that when you're a kid like you know like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, how many people said that that terrified them as kids? But like, do you know what I mean? It's like different eras have have different expectations of what their kids can handle. And I think that um, they don't intend it to be scary. But then when you're older, you look back on it. You're just like, oh, my God, that scared the hell out of me. I, I know um, where you're going with that, but I kind of mm. think they did because I think that was part of um, – children's literature in our generation anyway for Ben and I is Mm. that they deliberately made things edgy and challenging because it was part of an educational process of building resilience in kids um Mm. I I I, I've written about child horror movies and all that kind of stuff and I feel the psychological Mm. stuff in the 80s was a different thing that they intentionally pushed kids in that direction with these films and I think I think this one is very much an intentional scary movie oh okay yeah yeah, well, I mean, it came out a few years before I was born, so I didn't see it until a lot later. Rub it in. There's a backhander for you. Fuck you, Glenn. 
Well, I can't speak for that era really particularly, um, but because each each era it changes, right? Um, <laughs> well, I'm people sorry. can't people can't hear him, but Benny is leaning back in his chair, pissing himself, laughing with frustration here. <laughs> He's just not putting it to the microphone. Don't leave me out hanging here, mate. <laughs> Uh, it's twice twice in one show <laughs> well most of the time you guys talk about a lot of films that I've never seen so you know you, you already got the upper hand you've got way more knowledge than I do so you should be proud of that Samantha, you are you are really you are really fitting in with the show I tell you what <laughs> like if there was an episode where you have hit your groove this is the one. No, but I don't want to be mean. Oh, please do. I love it. I was going to go from there on, just nonstop kind of sly, <laughs> passive-aggressive comments about how old we are. Is it getting cold? Is it cold? Or is it just like a constant death? <laughs> no. I don't know. You've got a cardi there, don't you, Ben? Put that on. <laughs> My grandpa wears moccasins. Maybe you should get some of those. <laughs> anyway, return to us. Keep going. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. So obviously, as we've already talked about, it's a sequel. Um, it adds a lot of new characters, as well as um, also going back to the traditional ones as well. I think it's it was an interesting film because there was just there was quite a lot of um, weird elements to it. I suppose when you remember the original one to this one. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that, that they take her to this kind of psychiatric, uh, place because she, she's not sleeping because she keeps talking about Oz and everything like that. It, it's quite interesting that they, they would give her a shock therapy. I was going to say it's yeah. they're about to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really intense, especially because she's the actress, uh, who, I hope I say her name right. Feruza Bok. Uh, yeah. Um, she's younger or she looks so much younger than uh, Dorothy obviously looked in the original one. So a 20 year old Judy Garland. <laughs> yeah. I swear so... I'm a teenager. <laughs> well, she, she was the age of Dorothy from the books. And yeah. if, if you've ever yeah. read the Wizard of Oz books, you will recognize more of Return to Oz in them than you will the, mm. the MGM one. Yeah, I, I I haven't read them, but um, it doesn't surprise me because I think obviously being back when, what was it, 1929? 39, the original, oh, 39. Um, that was, I think it, it really fit that era of, of film um, a lot more that I think that they, they would have taken it down a different path to what the book was. Well, that's that it. Era. And it, the, the original, they wanted to make a musical. So that's, you know, that sort of mm. influence. I was going to say, Glenn, does in the books, does anyone represent the Lollipop Guild? <laughs> Not at all, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why would anyone read them? I mean, that's the best part of the book. That is the best part. But they I are agree. very, they I are like very confronting part. books for sure. I, I highly recommend them. And if they ever adapt them into like a new franchise or series, they should do like, I think we've spoken on the show before, uh, like a Game of Thrones style series based on these books, because they're just, 
incredible. And like I said, yeah, Return to Oz is very true to them. Do you remember the animated series and you had the Gnome King with the giant worms climbing through the, the dirt? That is straight from the book. Like it's, it's scary stuff. Mm. I think that like it, it reminded me a lot of Alice in Wonderland, like yeah, um, that kind of, and you still don't really know whether she's just imagining it or not. Um, I don't know if they cover that in the books, but it, in the movie, it still feels like it's like, I don't know if she's actually <laughs> gone somewhere or not. Well, they imply that it's real because she finds the key on the farm. Yeah, but there's a lot of elements from like her life that end up being in the in Oz that you're mm. just like, hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting, but it's fun. It's it's fun. It's weird, and I I I quite enjoy it. That, I was like, over the, the I was one. over the moon when you when you said you were going to cover this one because mm. I I adore this film. It's fantastic, and it's the perfect Halloween film. And I hope it traumatizes kids. <laughs> it's got Pumpkinhead. Oh yes, Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Jack Jack Skeleton. No, not Jack Skeleton. Jack the. It's Jack the Pumpkinhead. I think that's yeah, his name. Jack, yeah, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. <laughs> And the um the bed I can't remember what the bed's name is with the moose's head. Yeah, with the moose. Yeah, the back. See, in the books, all of these characters have their own backstories as to how they ah. became what they are. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because the the pumpkin head was a real person that mm. was enchanted by the wicked witch, uh, and like I've said before, the Tin Woodsman was a real man who had uh, an enchantment put onto his axe and it hacked off all his limbs and replaced them yeah. with tin. Oh. She actually she actually talks about that at the when she's talking to the doctor. Yeah. She brings that up that you don't I they don't talk about that in the original one. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um awesome mm. choice, Samantha. Thank you so much. Um we could talk about that for a long time, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, moving on, um, I last week I overestimated Chloe's return. I was off by one week, so she will be back on track next week with a fresh segment. But here's a grab from her own podcast, Movie Night with the Richie Girls. Uh, this one's not up for debate. We kind of went to town on her last week. <laughs> Whoops. It's only good because she's not here to defend herself. I always thought it was really weird that Chunk would kiss that older lady, which was supposed to be his mum. I'm like, yeah, that's a little bit weird, but it's his actual mum. Oh, is it? They got his actual mum to play his mum. Oh, really? So now it's not so weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she brings in the dominoes. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yep. isn't it supposed to be morning? So how did she get dominoes? Dominoes in America might be yeah. 24-7. Americans, if you are listening to this at all, let us know. Is dominoes 24-7? <laughs> um, because I need to clean In 1985? In 1985, <laughs> was dominoes 24-7 Did seven they even have 7-Elevens <laughs> Did, did they have breakfast pizza? That's what we want to know. <laughs> my, my last point. My last dot point. Go for it. Um, did Chunk even consult his mother about sloth moving in? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Like, I get they love each other. They've been through a lot. I understand that. But, I mean, if my 10-year-old son came to me and said, Hi, this is Sloth. He's moving in with us. I'd be like... Uh, babe, I think we're going to have a discussion right now. <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you let your 10-year-old bring home a six-foot-eight giant deformed human being? Every day of the week. Every day. That's just the type of family we are. <laughs> so weird. Very odd. That's so weird. Yeah. And he's like, you're just going to... No, you can't just tell this guy that you're going to come live. Like, but who yes, was going to have him? Who was, but he where was he going nice, to live? Right? He seems nice. That's it. That's all my notes. Okay. That's the good. That's a wrap. See you later, guys. Bye. No. <laughs> Bye. No. <laughs>
What um? So what did you think? What if after? So what? It's been a good couple of years since you watched this. Yes. Yes, but it... how did it hold up? Um, I must admit because it has been probably oh, I don't know, maybe a good four or five years since I have watched it, and we watched it a couple of weeks ago. I I. It's not quite what you remember it to be when you are a kid. So I think it loses a little bit of that magic Mm -hmm. that you had when you were a kid. But it still holds a very, very, very special place in my heart, this movie. It's exactly the same for me. Really? I found so many holes in it. Yeah. Um, It annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I can't not like it. I can't. No matter what, it's still going to be hands down, my favourite movie of all time yep. ever. Yep. And there's so many flaws in it, as I've pointed out for yeah. the last hour, but... But it's always the way I when you recap over an old movie that you've watched and... After after five years, I can still say, no, I freaking love this movie. So yeah, it is an awesome movie. There's something about when you think about when you go back and watch it in childhood and you're like, oh my God, I wish I could go on an adventure yep. like these guys are going on. I want to go treasure hunting with my friends. Yeah. You know, like I want to create something like that. And um, I don't know, I guess that's kind of the magic of the movie. Like a well. ventilator over skeletons and, and being in a tunnel. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I it still holds up for me. Yeah, I think it always will. But I think. Oh, it's look, biased. it's by far probably it would be in my top five movies without top a five. doubt. Yep. Top five. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's not just childhood movies. That's movies all round. So yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked you this. What is your favorite movie? Oh, can you ask me that next week? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think I have a favourite movie. I have favourite movies. Do you have like a top three? Um, you, probably, you might cringe at this one, but... Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to raise myself. It's not Man from Snowy River. Oh, God. Thank God <laughs> Annie would probably have to be oh, one of my favourite. Annie. I... Between again, Let's Cherie and my sister. Tomorrow. I'm not singing. Um, <laughs> dumb duck. <laughs> you know, Chloe poses a fantastic question there about the Goonies, and she's dead right. Like, Chunk did not ask his parents permission if Sloth could live with them. No, he just asked. He just. Uh-huh. It, it just yeah, it assumes that, you know, after this okay. adventure, that the big, creepy guy that's been locked in a dungeon for years can just move in. Yeah. And his parents are like, never seen him before, didn't know of his existence until five minutes ago, and they're like, yeah, no worries. It's a happy ending. It's just for everyone. Ruth, sloth, baby. Sloth, chunk, friend. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they never talk about, the whole thing is all about um, Sean Astin losing his house. Mm. But they never talk about, what are the other kids? Where are they all living now anyway? Like, have they all lost their houses to this development? Well, no, they saved the houses, didn't they? Mm. Well, they save they save um, Sean Aston's house, but you never know that any of the other kids' houses are, are in. And if they've already signed the contract, doesn't matter how much money they've got. Well, they, they technically they saved the goondocks. They, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, while 
Chloe may have been absent from the show for the past month. She hasn't been entirely absent, and you can catch her on Wednesday nights alongside myself on our Up Late videos. It drops every Wednesday night at 10.30 on our social media channels. So, Ben, that leaves you and I with one recommendation left. Fire at will, sir. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to go back to roughly the same time as Return to Oz with 1985's classic young Sherlock Holmes and the Pyramid of Fear. Wonderful. As it was here. Or just young Sherlock Holmes, if you're international. Uh, it was directed by Barry Levinson, uh, produced by Spielberg. It was another one of those, uh, the kids' movies that Spielberg was producing in the in the 80s, along with things like Explorers and um, Altergeist. Yeah. Goonies. Grandma's um, and it was written by Christopher Columbus, who would go on to, um, you know, do Harry Potter films. And Home Alone. All and Discover America. Home Alone, yeah. Uh, and it's it's great. Like even though, like, <laughs> I just wanted to stop the show uh, to acknowledge Sam's joke just then. Uh, ben and I did not pick up on that when we were recording, and I've just listened back on my headphones and realised <laughs> what she said. Uh, good one, Sam. <laughs> anyway, uh, on with the show. It is. It's not based on the books, but they're very faithful to the spirit of the books because in the books, Sherlock and Holmes, in the first Sherlock Holmes novel, that's where he meets Watson. And this mm. one pretends as if they've met at some fancy English boarding school. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic movie as super, like there's a, like a, as the title would suggest, there is an Egyptian um, kind of theme running through it. It stars Nicholas Rowe, plays the young Sherlock Holmes. Alan Cox, is uh, the what is uh, uh, Doctor Watson or pre? Yeah, this kid, Mister Watson, <laughs> Master Watson, Master Watson, Ma Master Watson. But he's actually Brian Cox's son, which I didn't yeah. realize. And I picked up on that because I I remember watching it, thinking that kid looks a lot like Brian Cox. And then I had to look him up. He is. <laughs> he is. Uh, uh, Sophie Ward, uh, who. I think she, I, I mean, she's had, she's had a, a pretty kind of decent career, but I always feel like she should have been bigger than she was. Mm. Uh, Anthony Higgins from uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, The Concierge, uh, plays uh, Professor Rath. And then Freddie Jones, there's a whole bunch of other people, but Michael Hoden does the, um, the narration. The movie is narrated by old or older uh, Dr. Watson as the stories as the, all the Sherlock Holmes stories are. But I reckon Michael Hoden should narrate every film ever. <laughs> anything like that like he just has this voice that it's it, you get this instant feeling of nostalgia listening to his voice and it, like it, this movie is a contemporary of like like this movie was made for for me for for i was the age i learned how to speak uh, the English language. <laughs> i was the age of people of person that this movie was made for so for me to feel nostalgic about something that i would should have been experiencing at the time mm. is incredible yeah, is a mark of its uh, success. Uh, <laughs> I'll get there in the end. <laughs> There's a point I'm desperately trying to find, uh, but it is great. But basically, it and it does. There's a lot of things in there that they that that um, Columbus tried to put in there to um, justify a lot of the later kind of Sherlock Holmes idiosyncrasies. How he gets the pipe, how why he wears the the deerstalker hat. Uh, why he wears the the cloak that he does, the whole kind of thing. Why he's alone. Why Sherlock Holmes uh, never has a uh, 
has a lady friend, although he kind of does in the film, but you know, um, she turns out to be a, like a villain. Like Batman and Catwoman. Um, and Poison Ivy and Talia Al Ghul and all of the Batman <laughs> women in the Batman universe. He's like catnip to the lady villains. Uh, uh, but actually, uh, I didn't realize that um, that uh, Spielberg actually brought Jeffrey Archer on, uh, the, the novelist, to do uh, script doctoring on this one. Amazing. And this film is um, most notable for its CGI work with the, uh, the Glass Knight. Yeah, it's the very first, very first example of uh, of CGI in in a film, I believe. To be uh, yeah, to be used practically as a as a character. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! It's it's a fantastic film, and this is where we can flip the lid on, or we can flip it on Sam here because us as old men, Ben, this is um, how glorious was it to live through the eighties and experience all these for the first time upon release? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, suck on that, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I can say, yeah, definitely. Like growing up in the '90s, you always watched the previous era, like stuff, because you obviously. I mean, I had older brothers, um, so I did get to see some of it. But obviously, it's different when it comes out when you see it a lot later than it comes out. So definitely, it's it's awesome. I haven't seen this one. Young Sherlock Holmes. It's um, a good one. It's very, very much a Halloween film. Yeah, it's basically um, people start getting like all these old men in the in the movie start getting um, uh, blow darted oh. <laughs> by this mysterious cloaked figure, and the blow and the the, po- the poison on the blow dart makes them uh, hallucinate in these incredibly real hallucinations, and they end up killing themselves. Like I think oh, one guy really? falls off a off a roof, another guy literally thinks there's a like a kind of a goblin creature in his jacket and he stabs himself through the chest another guy runs out to the road and gets run over by a horse and carriage um and one of the one of the old men happens to be a mentor of sherlock holmes so he uh takes the case or it's Mm. the first i guess the first time he's ever um got really uses his uh his powers of observation and um to solve the case and let's not mention you. You said it was directed by Barry Levinson, like amazing Barry Levinson, the guy that made Rain Man and Sleepers, and he's got a massive stable of films under his belt. Mm. I, I prefer to think of it the other way around. When people talk about Rain Man, I'm like the guy who made uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Like, like, uh, <laughs> I, I already, I already flew Qantas, mate. I didn't, I didn't need the ad in the movie. Thanks. But... <laughs> Well, okay, let me round the, off the recommendations with another recent one uh, released last year, I believe. It's another Netflix movie. It's called A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. And this one's directed by Rachel Talalay, who I'm sure Ben recognises the name. Uh, keen horror fans will recognise her from A Nightmare on Elm Street. She was involved as a producer on every single one of them except for number five, and she directed part six. And she was one of those um, big names at New Line, and she worked on a bunch of John Waters movies, and she directed Ghost in the Machine and Tank Girl and stuff like that. But um, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting is awesome. It's about a child who is stolen from a babysitter by a boogeyman and his monsters, and the babysitter is recruited by a secret society of monster hunters it's a babysitter's club of monster hunters um it sounds very kiddie but it's actually quite intense and scary but very fanciful at the same time i loved it it's produced it sounds like somebody reminds uh reminds someone of the babe (laughs) i'm getting to that i am getting to that man (laughs) it is produced by ivan reitman um which you know he's a genius genius. (laughs) 
I set him up, you knock him down. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, it, it's sort of like, how do you explain this one? It's de- definitely very labyrinth, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going in there. But the villain in this one is played by Tim Fenton, the guy that played Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter. And he is unreal. He's like a cross between Stuart Townsend's Lestat from Queen of the Damned and David Bowie's Goblin King. Like he's right in the middle and he lulls these kids away from their bedrooms by singing to them. Like he sings a lullaby to them and it's creepy as all hell. Like it's, <laughs> it really is. He's fantastic. And he's got these contacts in his eyes that make him look monsterish. And um, yeah. Is it like, like yeah. the whistle in, uh, in M? <laughs> yeah. That's... I guess so. Jesus. But the one thing, the, a good way to describe both both of my recommendations on on, tonight, on today's show is, if you can imagine spin-off movies that were made from Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Do you remember the, the kids' version of Tales from the Crypt? And if they had movie installments, like kids' versions of Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood, these two movies that I recommend would be that. They'd be definitely mm. good fodder for the Tales from the Crypt fans. But um, anyway... Awesome movie. Highly recommended. If you haven't seen it, do it. It's a great, great one for the kids. And um Is it on is it on Netflix, did you say? Netflix, yeah. It's a Netflix original. And um, but I reckon Rachel Talalay brings a nightmare on Elm Street quality to it as well. There's some really freaky horror stuff. You can tell it's been made by someone who knows horror. Is there a centipede in the mouth? <laughs> there is not. <laughs> that, is speaking, that speaking of childhood trauma, the, <laughs> yeah. the ad- the ads on TV for the Nightmare on Elm Street marathon and stuff. We always have that scene of, of uh, I can't now I can't remember her name, um, but having the um, the centipede crawl out of her, her cold dead corpse. Yep. <laughs> out of her mouth, and you're like, "Fuck you, Channel Seven or Channel Ten or Channel Nine. <laughs> Which ironically didn't make it to some of the home entertainment releases. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah which it. is crazy, right? Yeah. It's How- like, that's like the Spider Walk. Or yeah. the crab walk yeah. of Exorcist. Yeah, or, or I saw the, that in an ad. Or the surgical centibites from Hellraiser 2. Or that tire. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's in the, tra- the, tower, the, the tire comes flying at the screen. It's in the trailer, but it's not in the film. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about then. Which one? <laughs> what in, film? In Twister. In Twister. Oh, really? You watch the tra- the, tra- the in-cinema trailer for Twister had this, like... You know, this like a 3D effect type thing of a giant tire that comes right at the screen. Oh. It's a big kind of moment, and it's not in the it's film. It's not in the film. Oh, crazy. Hey, go. you know, when tasked with selecting a scary movie for kids, Adam first suggested the Louis Thoreau documentary on Jimmy Seville. <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's like a PSA. <laughs> So uh, let's see what he ended up doing instead. Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another good Movie Monday recommendation. This week we are doing horror for kids, which sounds like an oxymoron or something that you would do to traumatise those that you're in charge of. And now look, I got my fair share of experiences. Um, My mum took me to see Alien 3 without any context and it still to this day has scarred me for life. But what are movies that you can see that have got horror aesthetics that can also be genuinely reasonable for a child. I would say Monster House fits that bill. Now this animated film by director Gil Keenan 
is really clever, inventive, and charming. And look, it hits its horror tropes really well, and it's got great action sequences, but it's definitely got this kind of amblin sense of wonder to it as well that is coming from being executive produced from Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. So this follows three kids here. We've got <clears throat> DJ, Chowder, and Jenny, who are trying to figure out what is the story behind this monstrous house down the street and, <laughs> and the creepy guy that's in it, Nebercracker. And as you can imagine, Nebercracker here is played by Steve Buscemi in a pretty incredible performance. What Monster House has got and the reason why it came to my mind was it has quite a wild animation style. So obviously this is computer animated, but it feels like a stop animation joint. And the reason why is because once again, with Zemeckis' uh, input here, he was working on technology that he kind of, you know, was slowly perfecting with things like the Polar Express and Beowulf. And it's in this kind of uncanny valley, but I dig it. I think that it gives you, you know, this really kind of unique visual palette. And so when, uh, look, I've always been a big fan of animation in the sense that you're never tethered to reality in terms of your action sequences. You can go for broke, you can, you know, your shots and compositions and what you can throw on the screen are only limited basically by your imagination. And director Gil Keenan here, uh, you know, he really does do that, including, you know, having the house come up off its foundations and stuff like that. Um, notable too as well that this had a story by Dan Harmon, who obviously everyone knows from making Community. But yeah, Monster House is, you know, I think is got a really kind of like cheeky spirit, great action sequences and a really kind of cool horror aesthetic. So if you haven't checked out Monster House, do it. Put it on your to-do list. Monster House, what a ripper. Genuinely scary movie. I love that one. Um, Thank you very much, Adam. And you can hear Adam every week on Triple M. He's also on Facebook at Adam's Just Seen. So go and give that a like. There are so many great family-friendly horror movies and we're going to be talking about many of them over the next few weeks as we get closer to Halloween. I want to do some notable mentions. You mentioned Arachnophobia earlier, Ben. That's a scary movie. Scariest PG-rated movie I think I've ever seen. It never occurred to me that that was a, like... A kids like a family film like mm. even though the rating was pg i mean i never really paid it i didn't pay attention to the ratings and stuff when i was a kid mm. but it never i never watched it to me I, I, I hate spiders so i never i've never seen it that makes you the demographic for it yeah. <laughs> i know but like 100 like i i watched it with my niece like i bought it on dvd with my niece because she loved horror films but her mum wouldn't let her watch anything over an m and i oh. thought well this one's pg so <laughs> let's, uh, let's do it Actually, here's a question for you, Ben. You've worked in sort of, you know, distribution, that kind of stuff. Why the hell do, did some of the home entertainment releases for Arachnophobia remove the spider from the cover? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, fair I enough. Can't, <laughs> I can't, Is I can't it? give an answer to that. Uh, it could have been It, it could have been at the – I doubt very much it would have been at the behest of the classification board or anything like that. It would have just been a, a marketing decision to try and get the most, you know – most amount of people because the the, the 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 vhs australian vhs release of it just had the the moon in the in the center mm. without yeah. the spider and but they didn't have the spider and it's like oh, what's the purpose oh. of that poster without the spider it just doesn't make any sense yeah, yeah that's weird i mean they wanted was... to kids who were scared of spiders mm. and who didn't understand who couldn't read the word arachnophobia <laughs> I don't know what it was like, what, um, that one? Ben, uh, Ben, um, Sam, try to watch that one at some point soon so we can talk about it because it is so good. Yeah, it's funny. Do, it's, I, it's funny. I've always wanted to see it, but it's just I don't know. I always had I had this like 
And I don't know if it's in the film, but is there a scene where someone's in a shower mm-hmm. and there's like spiders in the shower? I've seen that scene because it freaked me out as a kid. It was on TV. Everything about the movie so will freak now. you out because it preys upon mm-hmm. your worst fears and it, it exploits every single one of them, whether it's the foot in the shoe or inside the hat. Like it knows what your fears are and it goes Ugh. for them and pulls no punches. And you can yeah. tell, it's one of those movies you can tell that Steven Spielberg definitely pulled a lot of strings, you know, because it was it Frank Marshall's first film, Ben? I think it was. I think so. And, you oh, know, okay. best mate mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg was right there and I guarantee you he was saying, do you know what would be really good? <laughs> <laughs> And even for people who aren't scared of spiders, uh, Julian Sands is in it. So, you know, that's enough to freak anyone out. <laughs> I love I love him in that movie. He's great. He's great in everything. I love Julian Sands. John, I just, John Goodman, Daniel, um, what's his name? Freaking Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. I just find it so odd that, that Julian Sands got his start making period romance. <laughs> <laughs> like British kitchen sink dramas and stuff. And you're like, this is like, a, you know, ever since The Warlock. Yeah, Warlock is just like how can this guy be anything but villain in a horror film? Uh, a couple of other ones are The Gate. I think it's it pushes a bit more extreme, but it's I think it's a family friendly movie the same way Monster Squad is. You know, it kind of mm. it goes for the horror without being too gratuitous. Mm. I remember when Monster Squad came out and they had the big standees at the video store. That movie seemed to be everywhere. Yeah, it was. What a movie! It's so good. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, add it to your list. It's essential. Yeah, you got some uh, awesome stuff to watch. Um, and some, you know, going back even before our time, Ben, Watcher in the Woods and Something Wicked This Way Comes. I think Watcher in the Woods is was still our time. I think, I think they were early eighties. We might have been just a little bit younger, but um, I guess yeah. Anyway, uh, oodles and oodles of them, and we can talk about Willoughby Chase. Yeah, have you seen that? Yeah. Yep. Willoughby Chase is a great one. Yep. And then yep. there was a, the thing that was also great was that all of the British kind of TV series or limited series, like um, that the owl was it the owl service thing, which is they completely rip off in the Harry Potter, in the Harry Potter movies, and the um, Secret of the Stones. Yeah. And uh, even stuff like Box of Delights and stuff like these things all have these kind of horrific elements to them. Uh, was there a Disney movie called Unwrapped about a mummy? think that's what it was called and it was about a kid that unearthed the mummy it's a bit like sort of the, the concept of um encino man but more horror oh right yeah that sounds great i don't remember <laughs> I, I think i think they remade it with a different title on disney plus yeah right anyway. but anyway oodles to discuss and we can definitely touch upon more in the coming weeks but uh that pretty much brings us to the end uh um ben letterbox people can find us letterbox.com forward slash good movie monday Yep. You've been keeping up to date with it? Yep. <laughs> so if you like the sound of anything that we have talked about but forgot the names of them, just look up our letterbox account, click them, and um, it'll take you to where you need to go. Follow our social media pages, notably Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Our weekly videos go up there every single week. You can um, you can find the video version of my chat with Ruby Rose tomorrow night. Then Chloe and I will be hanging out on Up Late on Wednesday. And don't forget our Thursday night Lucky Dip video. And also visit goodmoviemonday.com for everything else. Um, If you're new to the show and this is your first episode, then everything you need to know is archived on the website, plus giveaways and other kinds of stuff. But thank you to Jarrett Guillermo, Adam and Chloe. you got Joe, Chad and James from Bonehead. Thanks to them. And thank you to Tia, who does a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Thanks to you two, Ben and Sam. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun. It's been a lot of fun, this one. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Return to Oz requires more discussion.
It's <laughs> in depth. <laughs> in depth. We could do like a Facebook watch party of Return to. Yeah, yes, yeah. We should do that. We're going to leave everybody with um, the Banana Boat song from Beetlejuice. Uh, hello, you're Harry Bel- Belafonte, if I can get my tongue around that one. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. See you next week. Hey. Hey. Work all night and a drink a rum. Daylight come and we want go. Stack banana till the morning come. Daylight come and we want go. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and we want go. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and we want go Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and we want go Day is a day. Daylight come and we want go Day is a day. Is a day. Is a day. A beautiful bunch, a ripe banana. Daylight come and we want Hide the deadly black tarantula. Daylight come and we want Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and we want Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Is a day, oh. Daylight come and we want go. Oh. Hey. Is a day, 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 is a Deo, Deo, Daylight come and we want go. Deo, is that, 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 is that,